Welcome to episode 225 of the Women of the Military podcast. This week my guest is Patricia Qualum. She is an Air Force veteran and while she was in the military, she also was a mom. Having children shaped her experience of service and she wanted to share her story and the story of others. So she wrote a book called Moms in the Military, and it highlights the stories of women who continue to serve in the military after having children. I'm excited to have Patricia as a guest because she reached out to me while she was doing research for her book, and I was able to refer some of the women who ended up in the book. So when I was reading the book, I had a lot of fun hearing stories from names that I knew and I just really thought it was a unique and different type of book. It reminded me of when I was writing Women of the Military, my book, and how I was capturing stories that I had never heard before, and her book is very similar as it captures and focuses on the stories of what moms who continue to serve experience in the military. So I'm really excited to highlight her this week on the podcast and she was also a spotlight guest for the live that we did yesterday so I'm really excited to have her here. Before we get started with this week's episode I want to tell you about a program that is being offered by the VA Office of Women's Health. Did you know that only 44% of women veterans are enrolled in Veteran Affairs Healthcare? This is 8% lower than male veterans. The VA Office of Women's Health is working to change that. They created the VA Women's Health Reengagement Training, HEART, with the goal of increasing the number of women veterans who use VA healthcare by educating them on what women veteran-specific services are available to them and how to enroll. I recently took this course and learned about the healthcare services provided by the VA along with specific services offered for women. I also interviewed Ariana Wagner, a VA women's heart trainer, about the program and how she got involved in working to get women veterans enrolled in VA healthcare. Want to learn more or sign up to attend a virtual or in-person event? Head over to their website www.womensheart.info slash register. This information will also be available in the show notes. And now let's get started with this week's interview. Welcome to the show, Patricia. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I too am excited to be here. So let's start with why did you decide to join the military? Oh my gosh. You know, my First introduction to the military was when I got involved in junior ROTC, like in the eighth grade. Um, and I really just liked what it, how it made me feel. Like I felt like we were accomplishing things. I liked the discipline that I was learning to develop. And then one year we went to the, uh, the Space Center in Huntsville, Alabama. And another year we went to a base uh, in Oklahoma and we got to really watch the military folks. And so that really kind of triggered an interest that I already had. I grew up watching MASH, which was one of my favorite shows. And I really liked what I saw, the camaraderie. And that was really the beginning. And then the ROTC kind of solidified that decision. So really by the time I was 15 or so, I knew I would be joining the military. Um, and I knew it would be the Air Force. So, And that's how I started the journey. And how did you know that it was going to be the Air Force? Um, because... Um, it was junior Air Force ROTC. So <laughs> because the ROTC unit I was with was based in the Air Force. So that's really what 
solidified me because really when I was watching MASH, I thought the Army, it's it. That's what I want to do. But then as I got into my junior ROTC and I got to really physically see and be and do those things, it was all tied to the Air Force. So that's when I, I knew it would be the Air Force. That makes a lot of sense. And so you did junior ROTC all the way through high school graduation? I only did it for two years because we moved. So my mom was a bit of a nomad. And so we moved quite a bit. And so we moved and my new school didn't have um, ROTC. But funny story, what they did have was a military school, um, like a almost like a boarding school. And um, my mom went with me. They were very supportive. and uh, But they were like, it's an all-boys school. We don't accept girls. Uh, we just don't. You can't come here. I even offered, like, can I come in the daytime and go home at night? And they're like, no, this is a boys-only school. So um, that was it until I actually joined the Air Force. Oh, wow. And when is it still an all-boys school or does it still exist? It does still exist, and it is still all boys. Uh, about five or six years ago, I went back there, um, and I just happened to go by, and I saw all the guys outside. Uh, I think they were kind of doing their PT, but they were all men. I didn't see any girls. They were all young boys. I didn't see any girls out there, so I assume that it's still an all-boys school. Oh, wow. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. And it kind of shows, like, the stereotype that we're fighting, that that still exists today. and that still, Yes. Very much. Mm -hmm. So you, so you knew a little bit about the Air Force because you had done junior ROTC. Did you feel prepared when you went on active duty and went to basic training? Um, I think I felt pretty prepared, and for several reasons. One, I had two siblings that were in the military before me. I had a couple of uncles, so they'd all talked about their time in the military. And I must say, I had a really good recruiter. Now, I don't know if he was just trying to meet a quota or what, but my recruiter was very, very open with me. And it could be because I was a little bit older. He really kind of prepared me for what to expect. So I wasn't totally surprised. And I did feel that I was, I mean, I wasn't totally prepared because it was a whole new experience, but I felt I was as prepared as I could be going in. Yeah, I think that there's some things that you can't know until you're actually in, but Having a general awareness is important. Yeah, and that's what it was. Like I had family that was had been in the military. I have an uncle that had been, and they were a, a, a cross between officers and enlisted. So um, I, growing up, especially once I got into ROTC, you know, they told me about their, they would tell me about their experiences and what it was like. And so I did feel pretty prepared for basic training when I got there. And what was your career field? My first career field, I was an aerospace ground equipment technician, which is age equipment on um, all the all the equipment on the flight line they use to maintain the aircraft is equipment that I worked on. And I did, I chose that career field. Um, my dad was a mechanic and I thought it would be good, but that is something I was not prepared for. The males and I really felt, I don't want to say unwelcome, but I think they kind of felt, especially I joined in the eighties and I think they kind of thought that just wasn't a place for a lady or a woman. And so... I did feel a little pushback from a lot, not all, but from a lot of the men I worked with. Were you able to overcome that or? I was. I come from a large family. I'm, I'm one of 12. I have a lot of siblings. And so I just, I knew what I wanted and I wasn't going to let them dictate. So I just, um, I found ways, you know, you, you find who accepts you. And there was a couple of guys, we all came in at the same time and they were very supportive and um, 
I'm thankful that my first supervisor was great. Like he was ready, you know, and he was like, I'm going to train. You're going to be the best mechanic we have. You're going to do that. He really pushed me hard and he didn't let what other people were saying really kind of influence the way he trained me. And so it was good. Like it wasn't every, not everybody was like, oh, you shouldn't be here, but definitely some pushback. But I just found those people that were welcoming and accepting and I gravitated toward those people. And that's how I made it work. (laughs) That's a good reminder that sometimes there's going to be people who don't want you there or who are going to make it harder for you. And the best thing to do is ignore them and find the people that will support you because they're the ones who really matter and those other people for all those intents and purposes they don't matter yeah and I, I didn't stay in that career field um but not that I didn't enjoy it but once I became a mom the shifts you know some the exercises being in maintenance sometimes you work days sometimes you work speeds and my husband was also in maintenance so it was good for me to move out of that and, and it was nice too to have a change of pace and do something different Yeah, you're not the first person to talk about the maintenance career field and how hard it is to be a mom because of like all the things that you mentioned. So how long were you in maintenance before you switched? Almost five and a half, maybe six years. Um, And then I retrained and was called a military training manager when I was in, but I think it's now an MTL. You work at the tech school level. And so I really enjoyed that. And I actually wanted to be a basic training inspector, instructor. But I um, actually talked to some and their schedule, again, wasn't conducive to being a mom for me because, again, my husband was in maintenance and his schedule was was crazier than mine because he worked directly on the aircraft and he was gone a lot. So it just turned out to be the MTL was a good position. And I enjoyed that a, a lot so much. Like I enjoyed working with the new recruits. I enjoyed helping them transition into the military. I enjoyed marching. I enjoyed all the things that came along with that job. So it was a good transition for me and from maintenance. And let's go back to your time in maintenance. Is there any memory or experience that you remember from your time working in maintenance? Oh yeah. Good and bad. (laughs) I will. I remember one, like, so on the flight line, there's these huge pieces of equipment. Um, They're generators and no one can move them. And so, and actually the toe is really, the toe winch is the brake and you have to put it down to move it. And I remember having to move it and I asked one guy to help me and he was like, oh, well, you can't do it. I thought you wanted to be in maintenance. And I, really, I, he couldn't do it either. Like no one can move that by themselves. So it was little things like that. And even some really, really like harassment things that um, I probably shouldn't have tolerated as much as I did, you know, talking about my body or, you know, hitting me on the butt, those kind of things when I was younger, but then I found my voice (laughs) and then it wasn't so hard. And, you know, but again, like you find those people that you gravitate to. And then in the book, I talk about my first first sergeant. He was an older guy, probably ready to retire. And he really didn't think I should even be in the military, especially with a, a child. And he really told me to get out. Basically, you know, my supervisor told me I had the option, but again, he was very supportive. So it was really crazy, but I enjoyed maintenance a lot. And I will tell you, um, one shop I was in, we had three shops and there was about 120 of us. There's only two females. So you can see the ratio. And I think the funniest thing now, and I don't know if I talked about it in my book. When I was in maintenance, we were wearing fatigues. And when I got pregnant, they didn't even have a fatigue uniform, maternity uniform. So um, it was very evident that it wasn't a place where they expected women to be 
long term. And some of the other women that had, were in maintenance, other areas, when they got pregnant, they got put into supply or in some other area where they could wear their blues. Um, my unit chose to keep me in maintenance working. And so once I got too big for my fatigues, I bought bigger ones. And then I just had to wear sweats and coveralls. Um, and I thought that was just very indicative of at that time in the 80s, they just didn't think it was a place for females or they didn't think we would stay in once we became you know, moms, once we got pregnant. But I also have a lot of good memories going TDY and, you know, those guys that look out for you. You know, I had one friend, like he would always, you know, we would walk to work. We lived on base. We were airmen. And if I wasn't down there, he'd come and knock on my door, you know, hey, come on, you're going to be late. You know, and we went TDY and they would look out for me, like if we went out, because in maintenance, there's a lot of partying. <laughs> so and you want to, you know, you want to be one of the gang, but I, we'd go out and, you know, they were very protective, some of them. So it was good and bad. So I was sad to go, but at the same time, excited for something new, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It does. And I mean, I think that's the way life is. There's good and bad, but I think maintenance kind of, you know, <laughs> amplifies the yes, two extremes. Yes. And <laughs> I mentioned your book in the intro, but you wrote a book about not only your own experience as being a mom in the military, but also you interviewed women and got their stories too. And I don't want to get too off track, but I just want to mention it and then talk a little bit about why you decided to do that. And like some of the stories that you just shared are in the book. I've had a chance to read it and I really enjoyed it. So why did you decide that it was so important to talk about moms in the military? Well, you know, it started when I be, I was a mom in the military and it really was um, kind of a pushback. And I remember someone saying, oh, now that you're married and have a child, why don't you get out and raise your, your kids? And I thought, who are you to tell me what to do? And as I grew in my career, I realized that I wasn't the only one, especially when I became um, a first sergeant, an Air Force first sergeant, and I got to talk to other women and hear about them. And my siblings, I have two sisters that serve. And it was always a little bit of pushback. And it used to be called the mommy track where, you know, once you became a mom, they kind of gave you jobs that weren't going to make you as promotable as you could be. And when I got out, I continued to mentor some young ladies who were in and they started running up against this. And I thought it's still going on and people need to know. And really, I just felt we needed to be encouraging one another and we need to know that you're not the only one going through this. But I also wanted people that asked the question, why do you serve? Why do you put yourself in harm's way? Why do you leave your kids for you know days, weeks, months on end? Um, and I wanted them to know it wasn't a choice that we take lightly, but it's something that we choose to do. And I just thought it would be a great way for people to really learn about the military and being a mom in the military, because some people think it's just all deployment. That's all we do. And it is a part of what we do, but it's not all that we do. And there's so many pluses that come out of it. And so I wanted people to know, especially other moms in the military, young moms in the military, new moms in the military, that what you're feeling and what you're going through, it's not just you, there's other women and there's a way to get around it. And I wanted it to be a source of encouragement and a source of inspiration for other moms. And then as I, when I finished the book and I had some beta readers who weren't affiliated with the military and I found out that they also related, I will tell you the biggest encouragement I had was uh, one lady that read the book and she said it was a lot of aha moments for her. Not that she didn't know mom served or what it was, but she had never really considered 
having to leave your kids alone, not having that immediate support where you just can't call mom and say, hey, can you come over and watch the kids? Because I have to do something. And so um, she felt it was encouraging. And she saw herself in there as well, being a mom. And so, but I just wanted it to be a source of encouragement. And it really did start out for military moms because, you know, we get that a lot in the military. How do you do this? How do you do that? Why do you do this? And I just want people to know how and why we make those choices. And I really thought it would be better not to just be my story, but the stories of other moms in all branches. And so that's how the idea came about to talk to other women and and get their stories and let them be a part of my journey. Yeah. And I really like the diversity of women that you had. Like we talked a little bit before we hit record about the different branches, officer enlisted, and you had like all the different experiences and you even included military spouses perspectives because they're part of the military community. So I think it was really well done and it resonated with me, even though like I got out when my son was born, it, it definitely has those themes. You know, I think people don't realize that we are more common (laughs) than we even realize. And even if our stories seem so different, there's common themes and different experiences that we can relate to and and by hearing people's stories who are different from ours it kind of opens the door to understanding yes exactly to just understand that experience and to see and even as I was going through this um writing the book and I also found myself relating to these women and feeling oh you know that is okay if it's that way or it's not that way one particular thing is um, during my career I did not have the opportunity to deploy and I I've always I don't want to say regret, but it's something I thought I would want to do. And I just didn't have the opportunity based on my job and the times I came in and when deployments really cranked up. But when I got through the book, I was like, hey, there are other moms in the military that also didn't have that opportunity. And, you know, I, I really thought I'd be unique in that aspect, but I really wasn't. And so, um, so even for me, it was a learning experience. And, you know, I just think it's um, it's just a good way to let other people know about moms in the military. Yeah, and that just goes back to like one of the reasons you wrote it so that people wouldn't feel so alone. And then in a way you found out, you thought I'm the only one. And then you did these interviews and you're like, oh, I'm not as, you know, as rare as, you know, I thought I was. And so you had that coming alongside of community and understanding for yourself as long as what you're also trying to give to other women who read the book. So I think that's great. Yeah, it was it was a great experience and I enjoyed every minute of it, except for publishing. But yeah, I, I was it was a great book and I learned even me, like twenty plus years in the military, my husband's done twenty plus, he's still a civilian in the military, and you know, we really have combined over almost fifty years of experience and I still learned a lot speaking with these women and, and hearing their stories, especially the other services, like learning about the Marine Corps and the Navy and the Coast Guard. So um, it was it was a learning experience, and it, and I hope everyone who reads it feels like they got something out of it. Yeah, it's really good. And we did a live yesterday to talk a little bit more about your experience publishing and writing. So if you want to learn more about that, I'll link to it in the show notes so that people can find it. But let's keep going with your story in the military. So you left maintenance, and you switched to military training something yeah <laughs> i think it's called military training leader now it used to be a military training manager yes yes there we go and you were a mom at that point so I was a mom at that point. so let's talk about what it was like to go from being 
a service member without kids married someone in the military to a dual military family with kids. Okay, well, I will, but first, we didn't get married right away, so <laughs> we had the baby first, but um, it was it was different. Um, in my book, I talk about being in the military. I come from a large family. I was enjoying it. It was freedom. I could do what I want, and, you know, I had, I was overseas. It was great, but then once you become a parent, it really changes who you are and how you function. Um, I had to consider not just myself, but another human being. So transitioning to motherhood was was different, and at the time, not many of my friends had kids. So that was a huge transition, just not having friends who was in the same boat. I mean, they were great. They supported me. They came over, you know, but I had to find a babysitter. I had to find someone to watch my kid. And those things were new to me. And I didn't have anyone showing me the way. It's like I was the first of my group. So <laughs> it was it was a little bit of a transition to uh, take that on. And even with work, like working in maintenance, it's today you're working days and then, okay, next week you're going to be working swings, which changes you from coming in at 7.30 to coming in at 3.30 and then having to find someone that's going to shift with you in daycare. Um, So that was probably the biggest thing. And I was really fortunate at my first base that a friend of mine, a coworker, one of those people that support you, his wife was a stay-at-home mom and she didn't run a daycare, but she agreed to watch my daughter And she was just going to do it until I found someone because back then you only had six weeks off and she did it for almost three years, (laughs) so two years. So, and it was great. Like she just stepped in um, because I didn't have my village. I didn't have my family and she's an example of how we support one another. And, and so it was really a blessing, especially because her husband was in the same arena as me. She knew about having to switch and having to do different things, but that was a huge transition to just to go from being a mom, I mean, being a a single airman to being a mom and having to make that transition. And I I couldn't hang out and I couldn't go out after work and do all the things that I'd been doing. So it's a little bit of a transition to go into motherhood. Yeah, for sure. Especially being a single mom and not having that support network. Yes, yes, yes. And then we got married and then once, but I will tell you, it got a lot easier when I got out of maintenance because having two people in maintenance it, it really is. Um, and I will, I don't know if I talk about it in the book and it didn't happen when my first daughter was born, but there was a time when my husband called me and, and he said, Hey, there's a hurricane coming, which I knew, but he goes, but I got to go. Um, I'm leaving today with the aircraft. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know when I'll be back. I'll see you. And I have the kids. I have to get the house ready. You know, we're boarding, we're trying to get things. And so, you know, when you're both in maintenance, those things are harder. But when you, one of you is in a career field that's a little more stable with work and the TDYs and the deployments, it becomes easier to do. So the transition into becoming an, an, a military training manager was really a good change for us. Yeah. And that's interesting you mentioned TDYs because I think a lot of times people think that the main reason people are gone in the military is for deployments but in my experience TDYs pop up a lot more than deployments and they're in a way more disruptive because they're like a week or two weeks or six weeks and instead of like you know just one like six month or year-long stint of having the person gone it's like My husband traveled a lot at his previous job before the pandemic hit, and it was like he was gone so often, but then he was home, and it was just like, it was such, (laughs) it was like, I I can't rely on you because I don't know if you're ever going to be home, and even when you say you're home, something pumps up, and 
it's really hard. And so that is like one of the challenges of yes. not just high ops deployment, but high ops TDY where you're traveling for different things. It makes yes. it really hard. It does. And then, you know, you have to, and you get, sometimes you get warning, like sometimes you might know um, in, in a month I'm going to go TDY, but sometimes it's, oh, hey, I went in today and this came up and someone got hurt. And so now I've got to take their place and I've got to go and you've got to manage on your own. And I think for women, it is harder because we are the primary caregivers. And I will give you an example of, and we do it to ourselves, not just the men. But um, when I would go TDY, my mom would come to my home, wherever we were. She would come and help my husband with the kids and get them off to school. And But if he went TDY, she was like, you got this. <laughs> so I would be like, huh, you would come and help Jamal. That's my husband. But, you know, she just didn't think I needed it. Like she, I mean, if I asked, she would. And there was a couple of times when she did. But when I was going to go, her immediate thought was someone needs to come and help him with the kids, you know. But if he was gone, when he went a lot, it was like, you know, I'll call you and check on you next week. So um, it is a big transition and it's a lot for us. And I think especially women, like I said, as the primary caregivers to have to make that trend and work expects you to be there. I think they know you have kids. They respect that, I think, but they don't expect it to interfere. And when it does, I think that's when you get put on what they call the mommy track. So, and I think it's, it's still prevalent today and it's still something that, you know, we need to be aware of and we need to talk about more, I think. That's such a good point. And it is, it's kind of, I mean, when I first went on a trip and my husband had to be alone with our son and he went and stayed with his mom because we were close enough that he could drive. And it was yeah. my encouraging, he probably would have been fine and it was probably not really something necessary, but it was something that I was like, you can't be alone. Like you need support. And, you know, and he did it that one time. And then after that, I think he was like, you know, I, I could do this. Yeah. <laughs> you could leave and I'll be all right. But yeah. it is kind of something that we as women sometimes like either push on our spouses, you know, or like mother-in-laws or or their moms come and help out because they think, oh, he can't do it by himself. But their parents, they can do it by themselves. Yeah, they can. And he did. And I will tell you. I went TDY a lot and, you know, he deployed a lot. I went TDY a lot and, and he managed to do it. And um, almost always it was good. And I, and one time I went, I had to go TDY right after we PCS. This was pretty late in our career. We got to the base on one November and we were in temporary lodging. And my boss was like, you have to go TDY. I was like, okay. And I gave my husband's instructions on what to do. You know, we're going to get base housing. This is what I want. This is what you need to do. But that is not what he did. He did it his way, which is fine. But, um, you know, he managed. Uh, he was very hands-on. So he was um, pretty good at it, you know, taking care of the kids when I was away. So, yeah. But TDYs were a bigger issue for us than deployments because you know when a deployment's coming. You know, he knows in six months, I'm in the boat. I'm going to, you know, they put me in, I'm in the bucket. I'm going to have to go. So we could prepare for it. We could prepare the kids for it. But then there are times like when the weather means that the aircraft have to go for so that, you know, these are million, millions of dollars worth of equipment. We can't take a chance. I get it. And somebody's got to go with them. So, or, you know, another base had something and they need another one. I got to take some property out there, you know, to help fix some stuff. So the TDYs were probably more disruptive, like you said, than I got to go for six, nine months, 15 months, and I'm going to be back. So, yeah. Yeah, TDYs are hard, and I don't think people talk about them enough because, yeah, when my husband was traveling, like, two to three weeks 
a month it was like a lot and it was and it was also like that always changing like I got an interview with Fox Business and it was at super early and I was like it's not a big deal because he's not supposed to be traveling and then he like comes home and he's like oh yeah I'm supposed to travel that week and I was like no (laughs) and then they canceled it the next day after I figured out like what I was gonna do I was like you guys are so mean but it it's very disruptive and it's really challenging on the family dynamic so yeah that's so true I was gonna say even though our kids are grown my husband as a civilian he still travels um, before the pandemic, he traveled a lot because he's in training and, um, you know, he went somewhere last month and then he's going again next month. You know, he just told me, oh, they want me to go. And it's just sometimes it's just down the road, but it's still like four or five hours away. You can't come home every night. And then other times he's going to a different state because he does training. And so he goes to a lot of training bases to kind of, I know, whatever he does with that curriculum stuff. So, <laughs> But we're still dealing with the, the TDYs because he is now a, a civilian employee. So, yeah. Yeah, it's not just the military. That's like you said, it's it relates outside of just the military community. TDY is like business trip. If you're a civilian, you're like, why do they keep saying TDY? <laughs> it's a business trip or like a training that you have to go to through a, for like a schooling or something like that. What else do you want to talk about from your career? Um, I will tell you, um, I... I think it's more acceptable now, but one thing I recommend to a lot of people is to do some career broadening. Well, even while they tell you that on the outside, you know, but even in the military, I think it's important. And um, I I did that. I had four jobs while I was in. I liked to to change it up. I liked to learn new things, but I think it was very career broadening for me to do that. And I encourage people, if you can, even if you do just a special duty, which a military training manager was a special duty. Being a first sergeant was a special duty. So um, I think everyone should look at that because we can't stand the military forever. You're only going to be in for a little while. And the more you know about yourself and what you like and what you can do when you're in, the easier it is to transition out. And I think those jobs help. Uh, when I, I became a paralegal, and that was a huge change for me, but having that experience of being in maintenance and having that experience of working with new airmen, it was very helpful when we had to deal with those things. And then becoming a first sergeant, my background as a paralegal really helped. I could talk to my commander about what was appropriate, what I felt was appropriate. I, I knew the UCMJ or our you know code of justice. I could talk about those things. I could also talk about, think about how you're going to impact this person's career because, you know, in Article 15, is, you know, it's, it's, it's a very impactful. And so um, I think just when you're in the military, get as much as you can, really, that's really my, my thought. If, and if you can go to school, go to school, um, but learn a, as much about yourself as you can while you're in, and it will help you transition when you move to the civilian side, when you move back out of the military. And I think that's true, whether you do four years or 24 years, you should really learn as much as you can about yourself. And I think the military is a great place to learn about who you are and what you want. And I recommend it to a lot of family members. Like if you're young and you don't know exactly what you want to do, think about four years in the military. It's going to go by so fast. You're going to learn more about yourself than you ever knew. You're going to learn how to be independent. You're going to get some discipline. Um, And those are all the things I wanted when I went into the military. And those are all the things I got coming out. Um, And so I think the military is a great way of life. And I think if you don't know what you want to do, try it. And one of the ladies in my books, she uh, 
makes a comment like, um, I've been getting out since I got in. <laughs> so, and I think that's true for a lot of people that they do. Um, and I think especially um, if you are the wife of a military member, to be flexible, I think you know that. You know, I've heard more than once that, you know, women say my husband's married to the to the Air Force or the Marine Corps and I'm the mistress. I think you just have to be flexible. And I think the Air Force really shows you that and it teaches you that uh, when it comes to having to switch jobs, having to go TDY, having to deploy, having to uh, do whatever it takes to get the mission done. And I think so that's what I really enjoyed about the military, all those things I got and just seeing the bigger picture, like I knew I wanted to join the military and um, I knew I wanted to make a career out of it. And it was so much fun. Like it wasn't all fun. It wasn't all roses and, and, you know, candy and, but so much of it was. And I just, I learned so much about myself. Like, I think I found my voice. I learned discipline. I learned to speak up. I learned to speak up for other people. And I think all of that. I got. And maybe I would have gotten that on the outside. I don't know. But the military and you meet people that you will never forget, you know, and you, you, the experiences. And just a couple of weeks ago, someone that I was stationed with back in the 90s said, hey, I saw you have a book. And we took a few minutes to kind of catch up. And I think that's what it's about taking care of each other. And I think that's what we do. And that's, and I, I say we, because I was in it for so long, it's hard to not say me, but I think that's what the military is, that camaraderie, that looking out for one another, uh, really getting the big picture. And um, when I was a military training manager, I think that's when I learned the the true importance of it. You know, um, when, you know, the military gives you a skill set and it's so important that you do that, whether you're handing out medication at the pharmacy window, whether you're, you know, standing on that front gate, making sure that no harm comes to the people inside the gate whether you're in the dining facility, making sure our airmen get to eat. I mean, all of those things are part of the big picture and you really see how you fit in. And I think to be so young and to get that experience and to see that was just, it was, it was a good experience. And so not, and like I said, not, not all of it was good. And my husband will tell you, there was times when I was like, I'm getting out, I'm sorry, I'm done. But I wasn't. <laughs> yeah. So. so you mentioned that like learning about yourself really helped with transition. So what was your transition out of the military like? Well, you know, like most people, I stuck to the military. I think um, it's very comforting and it's very easy to want to stay with what you know. And that's exactly what I did. Um, I retired and I became a contractor with the Air Force. So, But I was doing something different. I got to work in the medical arena, which I hadn't done before. And so I think for me, that was a good transition to kind of be a civilian, but kind of be tied to it and still kind of know what I was going to do every day and still see how I could contribute. But after a few years, I started my own business. Um, and so it was easier, I think, with what I knew about myself and what I was capable of doing. So when I decided to start a business, I wasn't at all nervous about it. I was really pretty excited about it. And so once I said, okay, I'm, I've been a contractor. That's good. I don't, and my husband really encouraged me to become a, a civilian employee. He was like, you should just apply, apply. I was like, nope, I don't want to do that. I want to do something totally different. And um, I think everything that I learned about myself in the military really helped me to step out on faith and start a business. And I started an event planning business and I, it was going well. I really enjoyed it. And I used a lot of skills that I got in the military, that discipline to make sure things happen, knowing what happens to happen. Um, being able to talk to people, 
seeing the big picture, making sure everybody was where they needed to be. So I think everything I learned in the military was a great transition for me to become an event planner. Because really, an event planner, it's like you're just the NCO making sure everything gets done, making sure everybody's where they need to be. So it was a really good transition. And so I did that for maybe three or four years. And then then my kids graduated high school. <laughs> and um, so I had a business. And while it was not draining us, it wasn't, I mean, we were making literally just hundreds of dollars a year on that. And I had two kids going off to college. And so um, I decided to take a break and go back into a job that would really give us the financial stability to help our kids. We had saved up for them to go to college, but not nearly enough. <laughs> we learned with our first one. So, um, but even that, I knew I knew the mission. The mission was to get them, we decided to put our kids to college. So that was the mission. And I knew I had to do what I had to do. And so I really, it wasn't hard for me to say, okay, I've got to take a break and get a job that's going to bring in the money that we want to be able to support them. And I did that. And it was, I feel like just the military, like the changing, it helped me to do everything that I did. And then I decided to go to school after the kids graduated, I decided to go back to school and then here I am now writing my first book. So <laughs> I love that your journey after the military, just like your time in the military, was like different jobs, different careers, and like you following what you were passionate about or what the mission for your family was. I think that's really cool that you took that from military life and you use it in your life today. And it's really cool to see like, not only all the different jobs you did in the military, but then all the different jobs you've done since leaving the military. And it shows that if you want to do something, you can do it. You just have to set your mind to it and set a goal and have like your blinders on. And then if you have to pivot, be ready to pivot, which I mean, (laughs) yeah. So thank you so much for sharing your story and for the work you did creating your book, Moms in the Military. I think it's a really needed resource and I really am grateful that I had a chance to read it and that we got to talk more about it in the live. I'm really excited we get to do the lives now because it gives me extra time with my guests. So I want to end the interview with something you touched on a little bit, but what advice would you give to a young woman who's considering military service? I would say do it. But I would also say know why you're doing it. If you're doing it to get away from something that's internal, you might want to think about addressing that because you're going to take wherever you go, you take you with you. And so my advice is know why you're doing it, but don't be afraid to do it. Jump in with both feet. It'll be a great experience. Whether you do four or 40 or 24, you're going to like it, but just know why you're doing it. Because too many times I've talked to young airmen and they'd been in a short while and they were having these issues and these problems. And it just turned out they were, they thought joining the military would get them away from those inner demons, but it does not. You just take them with you. So my biggest thing is know why you want to do it, do it, and don't be afraid to speak up for yourself. I think as women, we don't do that enough. Yeah, that's really good advice. And I did an episode in January on mental health. And I think if you are struggling with any inner demons, it's definitely worth listening to that episode and hearing because I talk a lot about my story and getting help um, from the trauma I dealt with in from my deployment. And so I really think mental health is such an important topic, which is why I'm glad that we covered it this year and in the past on the podcast. So 
that's really so important. So thank you for mentioning that. And yeah, it, it is super important. Mental health is really important. And in my time in, I've had to get help, you know, and there's nothing wrong with it. If my arm is broken, I'm going to go see someone. If I have a cut and I need stitches, I'm going to go see one. So if I have issues that are just really weighing me down, there's no shame in getting the help you need to be the best you that you can be. And I, I truly believe that. And I encourage people to, if whatever is bothering you, if you can get help and you need help, you should. And I want to thank you for writing your book, The Girl's Guide to the Military. I've, I've flipped through a couple of it online. And I think what a great resource that um, young ladies, young women has that resource. Because we didn't have that when you came in or when I came in. Uh, we didn't. We had to just, hopefully you knew someone that was in and you could kind of talk to them a little bit and kind of weigh the pros and cons like you do. So I think what you've created is a wonderful resource for a young lady thinking about military service. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for doing this interview. It's been great. It's my pleasure. I've had so much fun chatting with you. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to this week's interview. I'm really thankful that you took the time to listen to this episode. And I wanted to tell you about two resources that may help you in your journey of military service. And so the first is my new book, A Girl's Guide to Military Service, which is available at the link in the show notes on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. You can go check it out. It's A Girl's Guide to Military Service. It's meant to help you answer all your questions about military life and give you a firm foundation for the start of your career. And if you're looking for mentorship or want to be a mentor, please check out the Women of the Military Mentorship Program, which is also linked to in the show notes. You can sign up to be a mentee or a mentor. Thanks so much for listening and have a great week.